0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Tech Guide, episode 366. Hello and welcome to the show. Great to have you with us once again. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, we'll unpack the announcements from the Apple launch event, including the iPhone 11, the Apple Watch, iPad, and Apple TV+. Plus. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out the best smartphones under $700. HTC has unveiled its Vive Cosmos VR and Hisense has entered the air conditioning market in Australia. And we'll wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. We've just returned from the US, where we attended the Apple launch event in Cupertino. The event was held at the Apple campus, and it was in the Steve Jobs Theatre, to be precise, which is... A, on on the on the campus grounds it 's a uh, sits on top of a hill overlooking the Apple campus building, which is often referred to as the mothership it 's this massive circular building that I actually happened I got a chance to go in there actually and get up close to it, which was pretty incredible. Uh, the Steve Jobs Theatre is just this glass cylinder on top of the hill and the theatre is actually built underground. So you go down the stairs and everything is is built underground there. So I think it's a 1,500-seat theatre. That's where Apple held its launch event. So uh, pretty exciting stuff. It was uh, a lot of anticipation around the products, so a, a lot of expectations, very high expectations whenever Apple does anything, any kind of event, any kind of announcement, expectations are normally sky high, and this event was no different. And we we kind of knew what to expect here. I think this year, more than any before it, I think we, we kind of knew exactly what we were going to get. This was p- leaked pretty heavily, not only the design, but also a lot of the specs of, about the camera and uh, the fact it doesn't have 5G. They, they were pretty much known going into the event. Uh, so iPhone 11 it was announced there at the event and the biggest focus of course is on the, the camera side. there's now two cameras on the iPhone 11 which is the equivalent of the 10r from last year and then the iPhone 11 pro and 11 pro max is the the 10s equivalent. Again, with a, an added lens to the camera system, so it's a triple-lens system. The iPhone 11, a dual-lens system. So everyone's inherited an, an extra lens uh, this time around. But the the devices were pretty well-received. Again, uh, pretty much what we expected. But there were was some criticism, actually a fair bit of criticism, about what Apple didn't include, what was left out, what, what people were expecting. One was 5G. I think that was pretty much known that the the device wasn't going to be a 5G product. It it is uh, 4G LTE, and unlike some other devices on the market, already 5G. I think Samsung has two 5G devices. We've got an Oppo, LG, and there'll be more to come. Uh, this time around, Apple chose not to have a five G radio on board. Through, I think, a couple of reasons, there was some some talks with Qualcomm and Intel about developing a five G modem for their for the new iPhone. Don't think that they kind of uh, got that done turned around in time, uh, and also I think what Apple will say will tell you is that. Five G is, is pretty scarce at the moment, even in the US and even here in Australia where where five G networks have actually been deployed, they'll they'll tell you that it's even if you did have a five G phone, you you're not gonna find five G coverage in many areas. So let let's talk this time next year. I think that's gonna be a different story and then that's why I think Apple will probably wait till the next iPhone. The, the, released in 2020, that'll definitely have 5G connectivity. So that was one criticism, which I, I think I can live without not having 5G on, on the iPhone. The other criticism was that the device never had an in-screen fingerprint reader. This is an expectation from customers that they've seen it on other flagship devices like the Samsung products. Even some mid-tier smartphones have in-screen fingerprint scanners, uh, and the fact that it wasn't on the iPhone a lot of people kind of felt that it wasn't uh, up to scratch well i think the answer here is that the that face id on the iphone is probably the best in the market by far uh, and hence the reason why there was no need to include an in-screen fingerprint reader so that, that's, uh, that's, I think, would, would settle that argument. Anyone who's used an iPhone X, the, the device that, that first introduced the Face ID, and it's better on the iPhone 11, by the way. It does have a wider field of view, so you can actually get, now be looking at your phone on the desk in front of you and it will unlock it with your face rather than you actually having to pick it up and aim it towards your face. So Face ID, good Face ID just got even better. So no need to bother with an in-screen fingerprint reader. Face ID, according to Apple, and a lot of people would agree, is, is far more accurate and more secure than a fingerprint anyway. The other thing that we expected and didn't get with the iPhone, and this is a tricky one because there are some, some people, some rumours swirling around even after this launch. What we didn't, what Apple didn't announce was that the phone has wireless reverse charging and by that i mean as as we've seen with other products from samsung and huawei where the back of the phone can turn into a wireless charger so you you'll put the phone on uh, down and then you might be able to put your watch or another another phone or your airpods on the back of the phone and it will charge now apple never announced this and there has been talk that the feature is actually there but they haven't activated it yet. There's a lot of strong rumors that the the hardware required for reverse charging is there, but that Apple won't activate it until a software update down the track. Could be part of iOS 13, which, which this will come with iOS 13 or an update to iOS 13. And what leads me to believe this too is that if anyone who owns an iPhone right now take a look at the back of your iPhone and you'll notice that the logo is in the is more towards the top of the rear panel it's in the top third of the panel whereas if you look at the back of the iPhone 11 and the 11 Pro you'll notice that the Apple logo is down right in the center of the rear panel and a lot of people are saying that the reason for this logo placement was to give customers an idea where to drop their Apple Watch or AirPods to charge them wirelessly. So keep an an eye out. The phone is out on Friday, September 20, and what a lot of people will do, uh, they'll people will buy the phone and do what they call a teardown. So they'll take the phone apart to see, to work out how much RAM there is, to work out the capacity of the battery. These are stats that Apple never announce officially. They never tell you that there's six gig of RAM and a 4,300 milliamp hour battery. Apple just tell you how many hours the battery is rather than giving it a specific value. So when, when the, when the teardowns start uh, after the release... I'll be interested to know that if there is actually wireless reverse charging, a, a, a source of mine says that there is, it is, and it will be activated with a with a software update. So that should satisfy some other critics of the device. But there were a lot of features that Apple kind of glossed over. So new new features as well, not uh, top line features. Of course, are the cameras, uh, the the faster processor, better battery performance. Uh, better water and dust resistance and all of those things, but what what uh, Apple kind of glossed over in their in the presentation were some of the features that uh, are are impressive features, but they weren't really given much time on stage. And I'll start with fast charging. The iPhone 11 and 11 Pro have fast charging capabilities. So the 11 Pro is going to come with an 18-watt charger, which has a USB-C port. So you'll get a USB-C to usb 3 uh, USB-C to lightning cable in the box for the Pro, and that'll give you fast charging, which means you'll be able to get 50% charge in just 30 minutes, something Apple hardly mentioned on stage. The charger comes with the Pro, doesn't come with the 11. You need to buy that separately. Uh, the other thing is uh, well, the well part of the camera deal is the is now the ultra wide lenses and one little feature that I found out when I, in my hands on it with the product was the auto ultra wide selfie. So if you're taking a photo from the front camera, you can. Go, uh, you can use the wide, screen, ultra wide lens simply by turning it to landscape. The iPhone will think, Okay, well, this person wants to take a wider shot, and it'll automatically switch you to the ultra wide lens. It's a nice little feature. The other inclusion is, I've already mentioned the Better Face ID, the other improvement is spatial audio. So the new iPhones come with Dolby Atmos on board, that's that 3D surround sound, so you you think you're hearing noises from all around the room, and the spatial audio is the technology on board that can actually assess your surroundings and then choose the right places to place the audio. So you'll think sounds coming from above you, beside you, behind you, all of this. The other added feature that Apple hardly mentioned is Wi-Fi 6. Wi-Fi 6 is the latest wireless standard. You'll hear from our sponsors Netgear about Wi-Fi 6 products. This is up to four times faster than regular Wi-Fi. So if you've got a Wi-Fi 6 router and the new iPhone, your wireless is going to be faster than ever. The only other smartphones that I know have Wi-Fi 6 on board are the Samsung uh, Galaxy S10 phones and the Note 10s uh, phones as well. So that's yet another feature that they hardly spoke about. The other is a stronger glass. They say it every year, I know, but stronger glass uh, this time out uh, there, was, there was even a video of an of a iPhone 11 being drop-tested. So they're saying now that the precision-milled glass has been strengthened using uh, what they call dual-ion exchange. So it's this process, this chemical process that actually makes it stronger than ever before. Hopefully that's right. Hopefully there'll be no broken iPhone 11s when they hit the ground, but... Overall, I think there will be. Uh, I can't see there being lines around the block for this anymore. A lot of people, a lot of people pre-order anyway. But uh, I, the the days of the massive line, the iPhone line, I think are gone. Uh, I don't think there will be this year anyway. Maybe next year when it's five G and a totally new design, that might uh, trigger the lines once again. But I think this, to me, is more of an incremental. Evolutionary, not revolutionary, change to the product. Still going to be good, still going to be popular. The camera is fantastic. I really look forward to reviewing it. Uh, the 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 camera app's been redesigned, so I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on it. New color as well. Midnight green looks really cool. Also, uh, and on the iPhone 11 side, there's there's six colors. So uh, I think that'll be kind of the bread and butter iPhone for customers which is the iPhone eleven is actually a bit more affordable than the ten R. It's it's equivalent to last year. Whereas the the iPhone eleven Pro is slightly more expensive. I think it's a result of our dollar being so poor at the moment against the American dollar. But Look forward to getting my hands on it and reviewing it and sharing that review with you on our next podcast. But in the meantime, if you want to read our reports about the iPhone 11, there's a few of them on Tech Guide. Check them out techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The other products announced at the event, uh, we'll talk about two right now, is the new iPad. The entry level iPad is now a 10.2 inch display rather than a 9.7, so slightly bigger. And I think the biggest change is, and it has has an improved processor, so you can expect a performance bump right there, but I think the biggest change is going to be the three-pin connector on the side of the iPad. Now, anyone who owns an iPad Pro will recognize these, these little three pins because that is what you use to attach a smart keyboard so if you 're an iPad user and you buy this particular iPad and you want to uh, attach a keyboard, it will directly connect through the the three pin connectors so there 's no need to uh, have a keyboard that needs any charge. It draws the charge straight out of the out of the iPad. no need to connect via Bluetooth because it, it connects physically through those three pins as well so I think that 's a, a big improvement for ipad this one is also apple pencil compatible as well, so you can draw on the screen, and just like you would the iPad Pro, which costs hundreds of dollars more. Uh, in this instance, uh, it is a lot more affordable, slightly more, slightly more expensive than the previous iPad. Don't forget, the previous iPad was nine point seven. Inches. Now you've got another half inch there to play with, so uh, that that is uh, is going to obviously cost a little bit more. The iPad starts at five hundred and twenty nine dollars. That's for the thirty two gig version, and you can go up to one twenty eight gig, and that'll cost you six hundred and eighty nine dollars. And again, the usual finishes: space gray, silver, and gold. But a, a decent bump, I think, uh, from from the entry, the previous entry level. Device anyway. Uh, Moving along, the other major product that was announced was the Apple Watch Series Five. The biggest update here is the screen. Now, the screen has uh, the always-on functionality, so that means that the screen, the time on your your watch face, will always be visible, whether you've raised your wrist to look at it or it's by your side. There will always the face will always be visible the difference being is that when you raise your wrist to look at the time the, it will the display will brighten to to full brightness to give you the proper look that you want when you turn up turn the wrist towards your face to to look at what the time is and the to facilitate this new feature, they've actually actually come up with a new type of display. It's an LTPO display, which is short for low-temperature polysilicon and oxide. That's the new type of display technology, which basically means that it will still offer the same uh, screen. The screen won't use up too much power, even though it's always on. So it intelligently dims and then returns to full brightness whether when you it detects a raise you raise your wrist or tap the screen, but it will work with this with the onboard software and battery to be uh, still be quite efficient and give you the same battery life. Uh, Apple says that it will not impact the battery life, which they peg at about 18 hours usage, which is a day. Let's just call it a day, in a, maybe in a, in a bit. So that that's uh, the improvement there. The, all, the other thing that they're going to do is also offer a titanium, brush titanium finish, which looks really smart. I'll... Uh, That'll be the, the one that I choose, the brushed titanium material in natural and black, so silver and black, looks pretty cool. The other thing, too, is a the Apple Watch Studio, which now gives customers the choice of their... So they choose the case, so the actual watch itself, and then they can choose the band. So before, if you bought a certain type of watch, you were locked into a type of band as well. So, for example, if you bought a stainless steel watch... Often that was paired with a steel band and it would cost a bit more. Apple now giving customers the choice to, even if you're buying the most expensive Apple Watch, you can buy the cheapest band to go with it if you like. So you're no longer locked into various combinations, which I think is a good move. The Apple Watch and the iPad, both interesting updates. If you want to read more about those, you can check them out at techguide.com.au. This is TechGuide. Now, lastly, on the in the Apple event, uh, actually, this was the first thing they spoke about at the event was Apple TV Plus. Now, this streaming service, they've uh, officially given us a, a launch date, which will be November the first, and they've also given us a price seven hundred sorry seven dollars ninety nine, not seven hundred seven dollars ninety nine per month. Which is reasonable, I think, considering the vast amount of original content that you're going to be seeing, including the show Morning Wars, which stars Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, uh, and also stars Steve Carell. But, fun fact about Morning Wars this show in every other territory in the world, except Australia, is actually called The Morning Show. Reason is not called The Morning Show here. Is because there is a show called The Morning Show and it's on Channel 7. So they rather than having a, a little match there, they decided to change the name. The other thing, too, they showed a, a, an amazing trailer for a new drama, action drama series called C, S double E, C as in C with your eyes. And uh, this is starring Jason Momoa of Aquaman fame and is set 600 years in the future. And the story is that a virus. Has affected humankind and made everybody blind, so all humans have lost the sense of sight and have to adapt to this this new world, this new way of surviving. Uh, And people have described it as a cross between Game of Thrones and Bird Box, that show starring Sandra Bullock on Netflix. Those who've watched Bird Box will know what I'm talking about. There's uh, People lose their... They, they can't see... If they choose to look at this certain thing in the show, they, they go crazy and kill themselves. So uh, it is a cross between those two shows. So looking forward to that. The other original show, too, that I'm looking forward to is a, a series called For All Mankind. Now, this is an alternate reality show where the setting is the global space race but Russia won the race to the moon. And this whole alternate reality and the space program, how it progressed in these times, uh, will make for some remarkable viewing. And there's plenty more, and there is more also down the track. So at launch, you're going to see all of these shows that I spoke about, and then some, and then other originals will be added to the Apple TV app every month. Now, in terms of having a back catalogue, of movies and TV shows. I don't think Apple is going to provide that. It's not like Netflix and Stan and all these other services where you get your own original shows and then you can watch a movie With Apple TV, I'm pretty sure that it's all going to be all Apple TV plus original content. And to me, everything I'm seeing here right now are series. We're not just seeing one-off films, we're seeing series. We don't know how long these series are going to be, uh, and obviously how many seasons there's going to be, Uh, so... In terms of their watching movies through the Apple ecosystem, there is still going to be Apple TV so you can rent and buy movies and rent and buy TV shows. I don't think Apple is going to... Change that model anytime soon. I'll I I'll, I'll wait with interest to see if these any other announcements at, at the other content that they're going to offer. Whether they throw the movie catalog into that as well, that'll be very very interesting. It'll really then compete against Netflix and all these other services. So, time will tell about that one. But Apple TV Plus, I'm really keen to see all these shows. Kicks off November one. a month, not $700, $7.99 a month kicks off November 1. And if you want to hear more about that, check it out, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. You upgrade your smartphone and TV and your laptop, but when was the last time you upgraded your home Wi-Fi? It's probably been a while. Well, the future of Wi-Fi is here. It's time to welcome Wi-Fi 6. If you watch your shows on services like Netflix or Stan, you need the newest line of high-performance routers from Netgear. It'll be like giving your streaming the VIP treatment. The Netgear Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 routers give you ultra-fast speeds and wider coverage throughout your home. You get four times the capacity compared to today's Wi-Fi, which means you can connect more devices and stream simultaneously without impacting Wi-Fi speed and reliability. The devices of today and tomorrow demand more, including the iPhone 11. Remember, it's got Wi-Fi 6. So what you need is high-performance Wi-Fi that can keep up with you and your entire family. It's the biggest revolution in Wi-Fi ever, and you can be one of the first to give the next generation of Wi-Fi 6 technology with a Netgear Nighthawk router. Turn your Wi-Fi up to 6 with a Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 router. Go check it out today at netgear.com slash Wi-Fi 6. That's netgear.com slash Wi-Fi and the number 6. And now a tech guide review with Stephen Fennick. Well, kicking off the reviews this week, I thought we'd take a look at maybe the, the smartphones that are priced below 700 bucks. I know that we've started the show talking about iPhones, and we've spoken in the past about the latest Samsung devices and, and all these other flagship phones that are well over 1000 bucks, But not everyone can afford to spend that type of money. And there are a lot of interesting choices in the mid-tier smartphone market. And I thought we'd go through a few of them right now. And I'm talking phones from even there's an iPhone under 700 bucks. Phones from Samsung, uh, Oppo, Nokia. So I thought we'd go through them right now. Uh, well, let's kick off with the iPhone. iPhone 7 is still available there's a 32-gig iPhone 7 that you can purchase from retailers. You can't buy from Apple, Officeworks, and places like JB Hi-Fi. $649, a brand-new iPhone 7, 32-gig of storage, 4.7-inch Retina display, 12-megapixel camera, $649. Now, at the Apple Store, the cheapest Device that Apple stocks. They they still stock the iPhone eight, so you can buy an iPhone eight. I think prices start at seven hundred and seventy nine dollars for the iPhone eight. So uh, there's that as well. But if you want to spend less than seven hundred bucks, iPhone seven is is your best bet. Uh, and well, let's talk about Samsung as well. They've got the Galaxy A series, which are doing really well. They've got the A thirty, which is three hundred seventy nine bucks. The A50, which is 499 bucks, so these are kind of every level of the market Samsung is offering a really well-specked-up phone. Uh, the A70 is what I thought I'd talk about today. That's $649, and this has a 6.7-inch screen, Super AMOLED display, triple camera system, 32 megapixel, 8 megapixel, 5 megapixel, and a huge 4,500 milliamp hour battery, and that's just $649. So you don't really, if, if you if you got that sort of money, you don't really need to spend $1,200, $1,400 on the S10. These have got a lot of the features that the S10 uh, has as well. Not all of them, of course, but there's a great selection there, a lot of features to choose from. So 649 bucks for the Galaxy A70. Now, let's talk a little bit cheaper. Let's go down the line a little bit. Oppo has released the Reno Z. This is a $499 phone. 6.4-inch AMOLED display, screen-to-body ratio of 92%. So the front face is nearly all screen. Rear cameras, it's got a 48 and a 5-megapixel rear camera and a 32-megapixel front-facing camera. And it's even got the... Powerful AI chip so you can get the best possible results from your images. It does a, a real-time analysis to give you the best results and also has Ultra Night Mode 2.0, so for those low-light images. The Huawei P30 Lite, only 449 bucks, and you get a 6.1-inch screen. Triple camera system as well, 32-megapixel front-facing camera. And that uses AI to beautify your self-portraits. So if you're into your selfies, this uh, has an amazing beauty mode there as well. Uh, the Vivo S1, that's also 449 bucks. This is a new player uh, in the Australian market, a Chinese brand which offers some remarkable features on a mid-tier price here. 6.38-inch screen, super AMOLED display. It's got a 19.5 by 9 aspect ratio, 90% screen-to-body ratio. But get this, it also has a 32-megapixel front camera, the rear triple camera system for 449 and you've also got a, a in-display fingerprint reader, which is one of the fastest we've ever seen on a phone. There's also the Nokia 4.2. This is $299. And this Nokia has, how long has their history of making great phones been? They've got a rich history of it in the phone market. A lot of you listening probably remember your very first phone, mobile phone, was a Nokia. Well, there they've got some amazing Android products here. The 4.2, really good example of features and value. 5.71-inch HD screen with a 19.9 aspect ratio. Just 8.4 millimeters thick. It's got a really nice design, too, with the curved edges. Very impressive. 13-megapixel and 2-megapixel rear camera system, 8-megapixel front camera, 299 bucks. Even cheaper is the Alcatel 3, $279, 5.9-inch, 19.5 by 9, longer, narrower display. It's got a Qualcomm Snapdragon processor as well, dual rear cameras. Also got a fingerprint reader on the back and face key to unlock the device, $279. And lastly, the Nokia 3.2, again, tremendous value $249 $249 with a 6.2-inch HD Plus display, uh, and th- that's, the, that's the biggest display at this price point, 6.2 inches. It's also got a dedicated Google Assistant button, a rear 13-megapixel camera with flash, and a front 5-megapixel camera, which also has Face unlock. So some, some tremendous value there. As I said, not everyone's spending 1500 bucks on a phone. Many of them can't afford it, and many of them don't want to spend that much on a phone. It's a phone for a lot of people. They don't really want to go overboard with what they spend. But here are some alternatives. If you want to read more about those phones, you can check them out at techguide.com.au. Well, HTC have been making a fair bit of noise uh, within, in the VR area. Uh, they no longer sell phones in Australia, unfortunately. They, they do have, though, the 5G hub. Uh, that, that, that's available right now through Telstra. But their VR systems are second to none. They're very, very impressive. In the latest, they, they've just announced the pricing and availability of the Vive Cosmos Now, this is the latest premium PC-based virtual reality system. So lots of levels of performance, really versatile system. Goes on sale in Australia on October the 4th. It's going to be priced at $1,299. Pre-orders have already started. Uh, So with the new Vive Cosmos, it's designed to adapt to the needs of the user. So this is all new simplified setup and tracking system, so you can get into the VR faster and easier than ever. There are six camera sensors on board as well for wide and accurate inside-out tracking. The Vive Cosmos 2 has combined pixel resolution of 2880 by 1700, which is a massive 88% increase on the original Vive. Anyone's used the original Vive, this is 88% more resolution, so much sharper images so you get crystal clear text really nice graphics right there with the all new LCD panel so uh you also get rid of that screen door effect so you know, you're seeing less pixels so rather than getting that that screen door effect where you can see the little squares in front of you the the image is a lot smoother Uh, it it also has a flip-up design so you can exit your virtual reality into reality in a few seconds and it's also built naturally for comfort. So there's there's the headband and there's Uh, It's integrated on-ear headphones as well, so not only are you immersed with the visuals, but you're also immersed in the audio as well. Uh, It also has completely redesigned controllers, so in your hand you hold the controllers to give you even more functionality within the game. Uh, And Vive Cosmos also comes with a 12-month Vive port Infinity subscription. So uh, if you, you do... Order in the pre order, it you get that 12 month Viveport Infinity subscription. Saves you thousands of dollars if you get that already. Gives you access to top VR apps and games and videos like A Fisherman's Tale, Ninja Legends, uh, and also you can view premium videos from top brands like GoPro, Discovery Channel, Animal Planet, uh, and, and a lot more to come as well. It has a redesigned user interface as well called, uh, uh, interface called Lens. So really easy to navigate with the, the dynamic home space. It's called Origin. So you've got all this easy access to all your content right there. The HTC Vive content, it's available to pre-order now from HTC. Uh, the address is on the on our, uh, our story on Tech Guide, as well as from selected retailers, of course, you can pre-order that as well, so very interesting device there. I'm keen to get my my head and my my head on it and my hands on it to experience the VR properly. But if you want to read more and see what it looks like, check it out at TechGuide.com.au. Our friends at Hisense, we know them for, the, for their TVs, of course. Their ULED TVs are pretty impressive. They're also in the soundbar market, and they also make refrigerators. They have been doing that for a little while. But the latest area that they're dabbling in here in Australia are their new range of air conditioners. And not just any old air conditioners. They're really taking an R&D approach here with these products. There's going to be, I think, six products in the lineup but what they've done is they've really taken a look at our our climate and offered certain models in certain regions like they know for example in in the uh, the cooler southern regions They're going to have heating and cooling requirements. So uh, these are going to be reverse cycle products. So in these southern regions like Sydney and Melbourne and, and Adelaide, you can have a machine that will cool as well as heat. But they know that in the northern regions of Australia, like in North Queensland and all those other areas where you don't really need heating at any time of the year. So they they're only going to offer cooling only models in those areas. You think about it, cans in winter is that the the temperatures are fine. You don't need to be heated up because the temperatures are already in the probably in the mid twenties, the mid twenty degrees Celsius. So. No need to have a reverse cycle you 're not very rarely going to want heating in those northern regions, which is really smart they 've done their homework here, high sense, and they know they 're not just just selling boxes they 're selling purpose built products that will suit our country, our climate, so it can handle all these different climate zones whether you're living in the southern states or in the northern states, and it gives you an air conditioner that can handle it. It can withstand ambient temperatures of up to 50 degrees Celsius without compromising performance. The range of air conditioners will be available from the good guys around the country. They're going to be available from November with the starting price of $799, and as I said, six models in the range, and they will all come with a five-year warranty. Now the range also has on board an inverter system so I can manage temperature fluctuations and the electricity wasted waste generated by fixed speed systems. So it's a really efficient system. The onboard technology uses flexible speed for full control over the compressor so that it optimizes performance as well, and uh, it's optimized with inner air ducts and tunnels so that the high sense air conditioners also offer significant energy efficiency, which is what you want. You don't want your air conditioner costing you hundreds of dollars on your electricity bill. You want it to keep you cool, but not cost you a fortune doing it. Uh, under the hood, you're going to find silver ion filters that can also trap air impurities and eliminate bacteria. So it's uh, it can keep the air clean as well as cool or hot. Each of the units also has a high sense quiet mode, so that it uh, supports this efficient airflow and minimises noise but without reducing performance. So not going to keep you awake at night, for example. You can have it on all night if you want to get a good night's sleep on a hot summer's night, but it's not loud enough to keep you awake. So that's pretty smart there as well. Uh, This Eco Mode and Smart Mode on board, Eco Mode, as its its name suggests, is an energy-saving mode, and Smart Mode can set the temperature and direction of airflow based on optimal optimal room temperatures so it's a smart product as well this one the Hisense AC units they're going to go on sale in November through the good guys and six in the range starting at 799 bucks if you want to take a look at what they look like you can head over to techguide.com.au this is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec the Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton, the company that can protect you and your family online. We live in a world where hackers are constantly finding new ways to steal your personal information. And because we spend so much time online, it's quite possible we could find ourselves in a cyber criminal sites. The Norton team is dedicated to keeping people safe online no matter how they connect. So whether you're paying bills on your phone, shopping on your tablet or banking on your laptop, Norton Security Premium is working hard behind the scenes to help keep your information, your identity, and your devices protected. For more information on how to protect your digital life, visit au.norton.com. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide to Help Desk is brought to you by Belkin. If you need a, a charger, a cable, or any kind of accessory, head over to belkin.com forward slash AU. Well, today, we had a question from a reader who was interested in buying a drone. And the drone that they, that they were asking about was a drone called the Blade 720. I'd never heard of this drone. I, I took a look at it. Uh, online and found that it was a Dji mavic pro ripoff so, you know the mavic is the foldable uh, drone that is uh, a tremendous drone but the the full price version of the latest mavic uh, mavic uh, 2 is about $2,500, but it's a magnificent drone. Not only flies really well, but also the the, the, the camera is brilliant to take great photographs and brilliant video as well. Uh, but the Blade 720, my reader tells me, is $150. <laughs> so uh, I don't think there should be too high an expectation at the sort of quality you're going to get uh, out of that drone. The thing with drones is that, the the quality is really important because, A, it's got to fly really well. It's got to have a good stabilizer. It's got to have a good controller. And that needs to be work really well, number one. And if that works really well, then you're going to get really smooth videos. You're going to get great photos as well. So I think skimping on any of that is going to compromise, seriously compromise the quality that you can expect from this. Now, my response to this is, look, If it's only going to cost you $150, then that may be the only price you pay to know that this is a pretty average drone. It might surprise us. Who knows? This $150 drone that looks like a Mavic ripoff May produce some respectable images and respectable videos. I hope it does. But if you truly want some quality, I think in this area, a drone especially, because you've got to remember a drone not only has to fly well and also allow you to take good photos, it also has to be safe. It has to be good enough to keep, to stay safe, to fly it near people or not too close to people, but safety is critically important. So, Anything, any product that skimps on any of those features, the quality of the whole experience uh, could suffer. And the worst case scenario is, is that you don't get average photos and videos, but you may have a drone that is not the safest product in the world. So really be careful, really read up on, on if the if it's too good to be tr- true, it often is, where, when it's really cheap and you think you're getting a great drone, really have a think about it because uh, that might not be the case. In this instance, I think it's worth spending that little bit of extra money and you will see that quality, you will see the results of that extra money that you spend in the quality not only of the drone, the build quality of the drone, the, the how well it flies, but also in the videos. And the photos that you take as well. Uh, we've written about drones uh, many times in the past. I'm actually a qualified drone pilot, so this is a subject close to my heart uh, and something we'll continue to take a look at. You're listening to Tech Guide. And that's all we've got time for this week. Everything that we've talked about on the show, of course, you can find at our website, techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch, record a voice bite. Hit that record button on our homepage and record your question. 15 seconds, you can get the question out in that amount of time and we'll play it here on the podcast and answer it as well. Uh, If you want to send us an email, we'll read those as well. Info at techguide.com.au is where you send them. We want to give a special shout out to, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We look forward, though, to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.